Welcome to Le Rendez-vous. My name is Garance Doré and I'm a writer with so many stories to tell and ideas to share that I created this special moment to talk about all the things that are going on in our lives. So come, let's spend a moment together. Le Rendez-vous is brought to you by Doré, the skincare line I co-created, wanting to bring more simplicity and efficacy to our lives. Check out the end of the episode for a special code just for you, the Rendezvous listeners. Have you ever read a self-help book? Because I have read so many. I started so young. And if I do it a little bit less now, it's probably because I've read most of them. And going through life... I've been able to recognize how much self-help has helped me. But in the most recent years, it became so ubiquitous. It's everywhere on my Instagram feed, in the mouth of my friends, in the literature, in our vocabulary. Whether it's the language of therapy that we now use in our everyday life and everybody understands it, which I think is good, or the language of spirituality. It almost feels like everybody's becoming a professional at analyzing others and themselves and that people of all ages and backgrounds have the answers to the secrets of life. And I'll probably do many episodes about the world of self-help because it's always been so interesting to me. But today I wanted to focus on one of the words that has become so familiar that we don't even question it anymore. And this word is manifesting. Today, I want to talk to you about the trouble with manifesting. I remember when I was young, very young, probably 12 or 13, and already looking for answers for all the questions that I had about life, about my body, about love, about sex, about everything. I was one of these curious person that thinks that there is a solution to every problem. And I don't remember which one was the first self-help book that I found, but I remember loving it. At that time, there was no internet, so you couldn't go and Google a problem and find a hundred thousand voices answering your question. And on top of that, it was a little bit shameful to have self-help books around. Even more in France, I think, where we're a little bit snobbish about our books. So I tried to find them wherever I could. I would go to the library or to the bookstore and I'd find something about the problem that I had right in front of me right now and I would read it. And I wouldn't tell anybody. I remember being in my 20s and being with my best friend in her apartment in Marseille. And she received a package at her home and she opened it in front of me. And I was like, wow. It was that book, The Artist's Way. And a friend of hers that was living in America had sent it to her. And it was a workbook to try to help you find your path to your creativity. Obviously, for me, I felt like it was an absolute dream. I couldn't wait for the moment when she would lend it to me. And I hope that she would because that's all I wanted is to be creative. And, and there was a book that could give me all the solutions to all of my problems. 
And my friend took the book and threw it by the window. And I was like, what are you, what are you doing? And she says, creativity is not found in books. And I never said anything. And I thought, okay, well, when I leave her place, I'll grab the book and I'll go home and I'll be able to read it. But of course, by the time we had finished our tea, I went down and the book was gone. I kept going and always being fascinated by ways to improve myself. I was always doing therapy. I was reading the self-help books. And as I kept growing, I would try a lot of different modalities. I was and I still am very interested in astrology. I truly believe in the power of journaling. There was always a lot of ways that I kept around me to try to grow and improve myself in all the ways possible. I was also an avid magazine reader, and it was mostly for those pages about how to be basically a better person. So I had always been a very good client for all of that. And as I slowly grew and moved to the United States, a place where self-help is not something that you hide, but really part of everyday life and self-development is part of everyone's vocabulary, I felt, oh, this is really the place for me. I found my people. This is perfect. And it was not at the time something that people would talk about on social media. It was still at that time in the hands of mostly professionals, people who had credentials. Those books were written by doctors, by people who had proven themselves. And often by the time they had arrived to me, they had gone through vetting by an editor. They had been read many times and critiqued and that's how I found them. So there were, I feel like, some filters. And even if there were a lot of mediocre ones, and I myself could see that. And I remember sometimes having to go through books and books and telling myself, oh, this is terrible advice or this is terribly written until I could find something that would resonate with me. It is only a few years later that self-help exploded online. I think it probably started with Goop and the big kind of LA trend of wellness and self-improvement and all of these things. And suddenly it was okay to talk about astrology, to talk about your therapist, to talk about your gurus and to talk about the retreats that you are doing to improve yourself. And it only took a few years for it to really become part of the mainstream. And that's where I started seeing it as a problem. Of course, stemming from the desire that people have to improve their life, there has always been cults that were born from that, whether it's from the simplest hot yoga guru to things that were much more questionable like Scientology and all the things in between. There's always been a way to grab people through the promise of making them feel better, happier, leaner, of having them find love, find a reason to live. And I think calling on to a sense of despair that we all have and a sense of emptiness that we can carry if we don't feel grounded, if we don't have a religion, 
There are many reasons that we can feel the need to answer those questions. It's a need that I've always felt, so I completely understand it. So gurus and cults and all these things have always been in the background, but these always felt so extreme that I don't think it ever scared people that would follow the mainstream trend of self-help. And that's when I started seeing the cracks. I remember one of my assistants, she was this lovely, anxious girl trying to find her way through the world. She had a love for yoga and for green juice and for all things California. And I remember when she started talking to me about her art of manifesting. And I had heard about manifestation and I had found the concept absolutely fascinating. I was resonating so much with so much of it because I truly believe that we're very conditioned by what we believe about ourselves, our limiting beliefs, or they're stopping us from achieving the things that we want to do. There are blockages and barriers inside ourselves which can be helped by changing our state of mind. The idea of manifesting is a little bit complicated. It is the idea of changing your energy so that you align it with the energy of what you desire. I'm probably butchering this. And also there are many ways and many people who have their own way of doing manifestation. But basically, it's not just telling yourself, I deserve it, I can have it, and then getting something. It's that idea of, I'm already owning that thing, and then that thing will come to you. So let's imagine you want to manifest money. The idea is to create that energy in yourself where you feel like you already own it and how you would be and how you would feel in the sense of comfort that you would have and the sense of safety. And to kind of lean into that and to kind of teach yourself how to feel that so that you attract that money. Because the idea behind manifestation is that idea that matching energies attract each other. So if you carry with you the energy of money, money is going to be attracted to you. I'm super simplifying and I'm sure that manifesting coaches and gurus would be really mad at me right now. But that's the simplest way for me to describe it. And in many ways, I believe that it is true. And in many ways, it is something that I've struggled all my life with because I have so many self-limiting beliefs with money, with success, with everything. And I've had to break through these ceilings many times in my life, but they're still crippling me very often. But sometimes I feel like they're still crippling me. I feel like for me, it's a lifelong job to fight against these beliefs that I have. And that it's not something that I can just fix and then turn the page. But maybe you can. And if that's the case, please tell me how you did it. Coming back to my assistant, she was so lovely. And I know that she was unsatisfied with her life. She was happy working with me. But I know that she had dreams of independence, of creating her own company and... I also know that at that point she had started trying to manifest it and that 
she was doing these exercises every day. She had signed up for a few workshops and she was part of a community and they were doing manifesting, exercising and working on their limiting beliefs. And to be honest, I didn't see anything wrong with that. It felt like some of it was a bit premature. I thought that she would be too young and too inexperienced to open her own company. And that's where I felt like there was a contradiction between what the manifestation classes and coaches were offering her as being something that was right there for her. And I thought how much of it was just learning through experience and getting to know yourself before you can actually launch your own company. At some point we parted ways. I thought she was distracted and not really present in her job and I told her that maybe it was time for her to focus on what seemed to be taking so much of her energy. And then I followed along with what she was doing. We stayed in touch and I saw her starting company after company and it felt to me like there was a lot of frustration that was building. Of course, we weren't close enough for me to really know what was happening. But from the outside, knowing the type of work she was doing from the inside, I felt like it wasn't very satisfactory. It was taking years and I could feel like she wasn't really growing. And I could see that maybe she was learning all the lessons that she needed to learn, but that the manifestation was definitely taking its time. But at that time, I hadn't really developed a critical mind about the spirit of manifestation yet. I hadn't really seen how wrong it can go. And that was until a friend of mine started talking to me about the secret. You've probably heard about the secret. It's one of the biggest self-help books that has ever been made. It's huge. There is a documentary. People have talked about it for years. And it's funny because I could not finish this one. There was something in it that felt too magical, too promising, too unreal for me to truly give it my whole attention. I'm also a bit lazy, I think, with self-help. I like understanding stuff, I like aha moments, I like long conversations and books that explain to me my behavior and that help me change through this sense of understanding explanation. But when it comes to doing everyday meditation, exercising, writing exercises, I'm terrible. And from what I remember, the secret as well as other manifestation workshops can be quite involved. My friend started reading The Secret and she was someone that had had a lot of trauma in her younger years. And she was very frustrated with her career that was really going nowhere. And it was stressing her, frustrating her. And also she was really struggling to survive in New York. And that, trust me, is really tricky and complicated. She had started to read The Secret and I think it truly changed her life and that it gave her incredible hope and that it woke up some things in her that were really strong. And I remember when she was telling me about it, I could feel like there was this fever in her eyes. She told me about the exercises she was doing so that she could learn how to manifest a wonderful career. 
she explained to me that she wasn't that unsuccessful writer, but that in her mind, she was this incredibly successful, powerful, rich author, and that she now would talk to me coming from that energy and from that place. And of course, I was somewhat skeptical, but also I didn't want to break that bubble and kill her joy. And slowly I felt like that fever turned into something almost like a religious fervor, like she had found something profound that had altered the way she saw everything, almost like she had found God. She started rewriting parts of the book and telling me about it with those eyes, and I had a very hard time knowing what to do as a friend. I wasn't sure what was happening right in front of me. I didn't have the tools to tell her, look, you're focusing more on this than on your career, and you might be thinking of yourself as a successful author, but for now, you have to deal with your reality. It's getting quite important. But for some reason, I tried, but it just wouldn't go through. And I have to say, it's probably my fault for not trying enough. And it wasn't just me. I think all of the friends around kind of treated it like a quirk, like something funny, like, oh, she's our woo-woo friend and it's all good and she's going to be okay. Until one day, she had a mental breakdown and ended up at the psychiatric hospital and was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. And I'm certainly not saying that the secret gave her bipolar disorder, but what I'm saying is that she had a fragile terrain and the secret was a gateway for her to lose touch with reality. And for those of you who have listened to my episode about therapies, I've talked about what happened to me with manifesting. And this is why I think we have to be careful with it and with mental breakdowns. Because if you remember, it was at the time when I was trying to get pregnant and I was trying everything. I was seeing doctors, I was seeing gurus, I was doing all of the things, which is often what women in my situation do. We go a little bit crazy and there is no door that we don't try to open. Whoever is willing to help us will let them in. And I had seen a manifestation coach who had told me that in order to manifest a child, I had to behave as if the child already existed and that I had to write letters to my unborn child. As I said, often with manifestation coaches, there is this idea of doing homework, something that basically tells you that if you don't do your practice, if you don't do your journaling, if you don't do what the coach tells you to do, then it is your fault and you don't deserve what you want. And I remember that she had told me to write to my unborn child. And I remember forcing myself to do it, even though I found that terribly morbid. It was something that for me felt entirely unnatural and, and weird. And, and that's something that made me lose touch with reality. I was already on the edge and that pushed me over. And one early morning, it was still so dark and I was trying to write to my unborn child. 
And I felt, I'm going to go crazy if I keep doing this. And that same day, I called a psychiatrist and I was like, here is what's happening to me. I'm not doing well. Please take care of me. And that's why we have to be so cautious to the people who we entrust with our mental health, whether it's in books, whether it's online workshops, whether it's coaches. We have to make sure that we're able to stay grounded, that we have people around us that can tell us if we look or feel different, if we have a fever in our eyes, if we've become a weirdo and, you know, we need to have people who are checking on us because it can go so quick. The problem is that there is no accountability for their promises. For most of them, if you don't succeed, the system says that it's your fault. You haven't been able to create that energy field that attracts the money. You haven't done your exercises and written to your unborn child enough to call him in. You haven't worked on your limiting beliefs enough to create the company that you're dreaming of. And even if you refuse that premise and you say, no, I did everything, I did everything right. Then the other thing is to say, well, maybe your dream wasn't right. Maybe it wasn't for you. Let's start again. And that's why we have to be not only careful about the credentials of the people that we follow and whose theories about life we decide to believe in and maybe to put into practice. We also have to have self-awareness about if we're able to do these as a fun exercise, something that can help along the way, a certain form of entertainment even which I think these things can be really wonderful for. And to this day, I still follow so many Instagram therapists and I still believe in some of the tenets of manifestation. But we have to be self-aware of the places in which we're fragile, the moments in our lives where we need more help from the people who have always been there than from a stranger that we found through a friend of a friend. Our mental health is something that is so subtle and so precious. And I remember when that thing happened to me, which even today I have a hard time talking about it. I, I just say I had a mental breakdown, but I've never described to anyone the thoughts that went through my head and how crippling and how scary and how dark it was. But that's why we have to be so careful with it. Our mental health is not a toy and our desires won't all become reality. And there are beliefs about ourselves that we will never overcome. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't try to grow and expand, create a better life, build boundaries, explore our past traumas, all of these things that are so available to us today. But it means that before anything else, and anything else, before our ambitions, before our family, before our friendships, before anything else, the most important thing is our mental health because there is nothing that can exist without it. And this has become the number one tenet of my life. 
nothing comes between me and my mental health. I'm very careful now not to overwork myself, not to give myself unrealistic goals, and to surround myself with people who support a healthy and grounded and humble rapport to the world. One other thing that always questioned me about manifesting is that my approach to life is that it's a dialogue with the universe, if you'd like. I'm not sure of what I want. I'm not sure of what's waiting for me in the future. And sometimes I think manifesting something until you're blue in the face, something that was not destined for you, is such a waste of time and of mental energy. Ten years ago, I might have told you that my ultimate dream and the thing that I would want to manifest would be to be a successful businesswoman like Nathalie Massenet. But it would have been the worst thing to manifest. And that would have been an absolute disaster and probably something that I would never have manifested anyway. And that to me is also one of the biggest questions about manifesting. What if money doesn't make you happy? What if you manifest it, even if it worked, and then you realize, as so many people do, that wealth is not the secret to happiness or whatever you call in? There are so many guys that I would have manifested if I could, and they would have been horrible for me. And these are the things, and I know that in those workshops there are ways to clear the path towards yourself, but I've distanced myself long time ago from a vision of life where I am fully in control of my destiny. To me, there couldn't be anything furthest from the truth. My destiny is a conversation between my will, my fate, the things I'm made for, maybe a little sprinkle of my lucky star, chance, all these things that I don't control. And my destiny might surprise me if I only let it. So you know what they say, use the tools, but never let the tools use you. Take great care of yourself, of your soul, and of your dreams. Talk to you next week, and sending you love. Le Rendez-vous is brought to you by Doré. Doré's latest launch, La Micellaire, is a botanical micellar cleansing water that doesn't require rinsing. Minimize bathroom time and maximize outdoor time with our super simple routine. Use code PODCAST10 for 10% of your first order. Thank you for listening to Le Rendez-vous. If you want to know more about me, find out about my newsletter and my community. Find me on Instagram at Doré or at my website at garance.world. And well, if you'd like to find out how to spell that crazy name, just check out the show notes. Until next time, sending you love.